The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We're your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. This week on The Mud Peddlers. We're actually doing take two because we recorded an episode and I was like, whoa, whoa, it whoa. Heavy. It got heavy. Got not heavy. not bad heavy, just like information heavy. I'm like, okay, let's like, let's reel it in. Dreams. Let's redo it. Just nightmares. <laughs> so we're doing a chemistry medley today. So yeah. we're going to be talking about three different topics in ceramics that two of them are things that we think most of y'all will be able to connect with and then we're doing a deep dive, big brain one topic. Them, I'm going to die on a hill for one of them. I believe it. I'm going to die. You have, you must be a cat with nine lives because you've died upon many hills. I've died. <laughs> Actually, you know, I'll say, I will say you have, you have modified your opinion on many things. I think I've been the one who's more died on hills, but I don't know. I have a distaste for a lot of things and then I usually try and connect that to like a logical reason for like why mm, I don't like it. But yeah. realistically speaking, if you can, like somebody tried to convince me that fruit belongs on pizza, like pineapple. Oh, I mean, well, that's true. I hate pineapple on pizza. But someone once said to me, no, 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 it makes sense logically because, like, the cheese gets digested easier by the fiber in the fruit. Oh. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, otherwise your stomach would have a harder time digesting the food. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I if you're eating pizza, you're probably not too worried about digestion. You just want that sweet, sweet cobs and cheese. Yeah, but I was like, yeah, you're, you're right, and I can't really fight that. Yeah. There. You're right about that. Also, pineapple is delicious. Pineapple is delicious when it's cold. Whoever's putting hot fruit in things, stop it. Oh, a peach cobbler, bitch? The, no, pies are Peach cobbler, oh, oh, pies all right, okay, all right, you know what, I'm getting real. Pies are <laughs> apple pie, apple pie, maybe peach pie. Actually, <laughs> we can get rid of peaches altogether. Oh my God, I love peaches. Peaches can suck it. Oh Listen, my God. But whoever's making upside down apple fruit pineapple, stop. I can't stop, 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 stop. And whoever's putting fruit stop, and chocolate stop, stop, too, stop, unless stop. it's okay. Actually, I agree with you there. Unless it's sexual with strawberries. Mmm. Okay. Even then, I could do without it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, glaze chemistry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first topic of the episode is cones aren't real. Cones are not real. Tell me why cones aren't real. So the entire basis of this episode is that I've started to take a class with Matt and Rose Katz with a ceramic materials workshop mm -hmm. because I know how to make glazes and put them together and modify them a bit and I know what most of the things do, but I don't know the chemistry of them, so I took a class. That being said, there are some mind-blowing things that Matt Katz has told me, but I'm going to phrase them and he's going to call them inaccurate because I'm going to paraphrase them. <laughs> um, so he has this thing, well not him, but there's a thing called a stole chart, right? Okay. And it gives you the amount of silica and the amount of alumina. And then it has like a chart. Okay. Right? And generally speaking, based on where it is in the chart, you can kind of guess what cone it'll be based on okay. the ratio of silica and alumina. When I look at this chart, I go, cones ain't real. Cones aren't real. Okay. There's only underfired and there's overfired. And there's the point where a glaze can mature well enough to get the effect you want. Okay. This means that if you got a cone 10 glaze, go ahead and put it in cone 6. If it turns out fine, it turns out fine. What? Yep. What? I did it this morning. Wait, I don't understand. Uh-huh. I don't get it. Listen, our whole lives, listen, hear me out. It's the Matrix. Our whole lives, <laughs> our whole lives we've been given a bottle of glaze. Okay. And we've been told here, this bottle of glaze here only goes to cone 5. Right. And then I took this class, okay. and I got that same bottle, and I put it in a cone 10 kiln, and it came out fine. 
But that's not going to be the case for all glazes, but right? But it's the case for like a lot of them. Oh, that's interesting. And that's crazy. I actually tested this last week. I have a zero, a zero for a low fire glaze. Okay. Right? And I put it on a pot. Right. And it was like a silverish, it wasn't like, was like mother pearl, but it looks kind of like that. Uh-huh. Turned out fine. God. Turned out fine. That's crazy. Okay, so. It's ran a little bit. Okay. But that was it. Okay, so so it's so it's basically cones aren't real in oh. the sense that, that they're a, a glaze will work regardless, like if you like put it out of its own temperature. I just think that everyone seems to think that like this bottle of glaze is only for this cone. Yeah. And when I took this class, I was like, yo, you can use. So you're telling me you can use that glaze in like most other temperatures. You can use it on cone seven. You can use it on cone eight. You can use it on cone nine. Granted, there's a problem with the underfiring. Yeah, because that's because that's like our second topic yeah, is like yeah. glazes being or matte specifically matte glazes being underfired versus overfired. Yes. So okay, so okay, so maybe we'll combine these things a little bit. So here, I just I just want to say that most people get a bottle of glaze and they think in order to get this exact glaze on the in order to make the glaze a functional good glaze with color like a glaze period. Uh huh. I need to put it at this temperature, but realistically speaking, you can kind of put it at other temperatures and it comes out fine. But if but if it's at a too low of a temperature, that's a problem. That's underfired. Then it's underfired. It'll so, still come out, but it just won't come out good. So generally, like a higher temperature. So it's more like it can be fired at higher temperatures and still be okay. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced that anything from six to ten will work. Actually. Okay, so not like low like. Because if we're talking like low fire glaze. Yeah, no, don't take a 10 and put it in 04 and be like, don't they say it would work? Like, okay. No. Or the reverse, like a cone 04 glaze in a cone 10. Yeah, but I've taken a 04, I've taken a 04 and put it, in a, put it in a 6 and it worked out fine. Really? Which is crazy to me. But I, I just think that most people seem to like, if you didn't take this class, you would just be like, no, the cone is set specifically in the store and they do the thing and it's chemically made just for this. But realistically speaking, bottle glazes, you know, took them. Yeah. Just put them in any cone. I'm having I'm having a real hard time accepting this reality. I know. It's I know. Okay, so so this is this is Okay, so so They might run Matt a little Kat bit. said this? He didn't say this specifically. Okay. He was just like if you understand cone 10, you understand cone 6. And then he showed me the chart and my little brain was like so the only difference in between cones is the amount of alumina and a silica in them. And he was like, yeah, that's pretty much the cone chart. And he showed you this big, big, big chart full of like this ratio of alumina to silica makes cone five. And then here's cone six and here's cone seven. Here's okay. Cone eight. And I was like, oh. So, so, so basically like a, let's just say hypothetically, just so I can make sure I can understand this. Yeah. On the stool chart, like if you have, and th these are totally made up numbers, but let's yes. say 25% alumina, alumina and 75% silica is cone three and 30% silica and 70% alumina is cone seven or whatever. So basically it's like, it's just the cone, what a cone is, is a unit of measurement based on the ratio of alumina and silica? Yes. Okay. Yes. And he delved it all out, right? It's, to be fair, cone one, two, three, and four were a bit like skewed, but he was like, check it out. Cone five is like 0 0.5 to five ratio. And cone six is 0 0.6 to six ratio. And cone seven is 0 0.7. These are the actual numbers, by the oh. way. Like, cone seven is 0 0.7 to seven ratio. And he, he put it all out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he put them on a chart and I was like, this chart kind of makes it seem like I can just 
fire, like a cone eight glaze to cone nine or ten. Wait, why? What made you think that? Because the ratios are so close that nobody cares. If that makes sense. Oh, okay. And so I was like, well, it might run a little bit, but like it'll still come out a good functional glaze with color. Okay. Okay. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. For example, for example, yeah. Here's, here's a here's a sealer, right? A lot of the crystal glazes that I make mm -hmm. are super low on the chart. Okay. Are su they're like cone four. Okay. But I fire them to cone six, and I put them on a hold, and they make crystals. Interesting. Right. And they run every time. You can make ones that don't run, by the way, but you don't get very good crystals. Yeah, yeah, But, like, yeah. I'm just like, yo, I'm using cone 6 glazes that were not designed for cone 6. That's fascinating. I'm taking cone 10 glazes that I'm just like, I could put it in a cone. Uh, I can put my cone to cone 7. That would turn out the same. Okay, so where this could be useful, potentially, is that if you have a glaze... For example, maybe like yeah. I have I have this glaze book that has some glazes that are made to mature at cone four. Yes. But all of my kiln firings are to cone six. Yes. So consider poss possibly possibly is the word. I could take that glaze that's meant to be cone o or that's meant to be cone four. Yes. And fire it to cone six. So if yes. I was like, ooh, I like this glaze a lot. I want to use this glaze. I could see like there's so okay. So it basically widens yes. the number of glazes you can use. You're much better at saying. Than I am. Yes. No, no, no. I mean, you're no, you're, you you're explaining it. it, but okay. So that's the way I'm explaining it, it makes it seem like cones don't exist. But like when I saw it, I was like, the cone. You literally said cones aren't real. Cones aren't real. Cones aren't real. <laughs> the the amount of space you have to fire something is not de immediately dependent on its cone. Period. You can fire it around that number mm -hmm. and still get the same, if not a better effect, a lot of the time. And your cone four example for cone six is perfect. Mm, okay. I have cone five glazes. I fired a cone six all the time yeah actually yeah that's that's it's because those numbers are so damn close yeah 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 there we go but you can probably also fire that shit to come four or you can probably also fire it to come six and it'll be fine it might run a little bit yeah. but it'll come out a good stable nice glaze and it'll work okay this glaze here yeah the, uh, i'm holding a pot up that i had showed Lindsay earlier can go to cone 10. that's crazy and it turns out better huh. at cone 10. But it works. It's stable. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. This one doesn't really run. Right. The foot, like, there's no runnage on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is cone six with a hold. Okay. You know, like, and I don't know. It just, it just I might be explaining it incorrectly, and someone's gonna be like, "That's not what it is, Dante. You just have the idea, but not the science behind it." Nah. But also, like, the way it's explained to me in this classroom is that there's so much wiggle room in the cone system that, like, in my brain, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Why give me a cone in the first yeah, place? Yeah, yeah. Why not say cone four to ten or four to seven? Yeah, interesting. And I, I think it's just the company's way of saying this is where, this is the temperature that we've decided it has the most optimal mm. results for what you're asking for for the color yeah. on the model. I could. It'd be interesting to see how much variation there is with clay bodies in that same thing because that makes me think of the whole like absorption rate with uh with like food safety and the idea that you know some glazes that are supposed to be fully vitrified at cone yeah. five aren't often actually fully vitrified until cone eight mm -hmm. but but then you can also have bloating issues yeah so uh, that's interesting okay all right well that that i try to stay in line with that too yeah honestly but you know imco the company that i buy my claim from now yeah they have a porcelain and they actually give you the numbers for the absorption rate per cone i try to stay around two or three absorption rate, even though they should be at 1%, but it's really difficult <laughs> for most people. Even you listening to this right now, you check out the absorption rate of your clay body. You, it's going to be a number, and it's not going to be 1% probably. 
And if it is, it's porcelain, you know? Yeah. But, like, Imco does a great job at firing the same clay body higher and then going, the absorption rate is now less. Mm-hmm. The pores are now more tight because you fired it higher. And Imco, by the way, is Industrial Minerals Company for yes. those of, and it's a uh, company in Sacramento. So the, do I can't remember. Do they make their own clays? Yeah. Oh, okay. They make okay. their own everything. Okay. They have their own line of glaze, uh, called Linets, Linels. Oh, okay. Linets, something like that. Right. They have their own line of clay bodies called I don't know. <laughs> but it's cool and I like it, and they give me the numbers that I want for the chemistry, so I use oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like dragon fruit's like two percent. Oh, yeah, all right. it's technically a porcelain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that that leads nicely into our second topic, which is the idea of, <laughs> of matte glazes. There's like, no such thing as a matte glaze! <laughs> <laughs> so you, we talked about this off camera a yeah. while ago. Yeah. And you are basically telling me that matte, I'm not going to explain this well, and then you're going to correct me. And then, <laughs> so basically matte, when a matte glaze is matte, there's two reasons why it could be matte. And oftentimes it's because the glaze is actually under fired, not because yes. it's properly formulated to be a matte glaze. Yes. Okay, so tell me about tell me about that and why it matters. You just summed that's it pretty much. That's it. Okay, well why like why Why okay, so like on the stole chart, right, there's certain spots where the glaze can mature, right? Okay. There's a silica to alumina ratio. Right. And silica is the glass. Okay. And alumina is the alumina, right? right. And the higher you get in alumina the more fire you're gonna need, right? But also it becomes a little bit more matte. It has less glass in it, it becomes less glossy. Okay. Right, at a certain point, some people will fire them incorrectly. Some people will under fire something and be like, look, I can't see through the clay body, therefore it's a matte glaze. Mm. But realistically, I'm like, no, no, you just under fired that. You just didn't take it to the right temperature so it didn't mature correctly. Uh, Cause if silica doesn't mature correctly, it turns matte as opposed to shiny. I don't know right? if that, I don't know if that's or, true. Oh, oh okay, I okay. Think, I think that's the opposite, but yeah, there's there's tons of examples where, because a matte glaze is really just like, this is technically semi-matte. Right. This is just a bunch of little alumina crystals that have matured in my kiln over time so that you cannot see through the glaze matrix. Mm. But if I put, I don't know, more silica in here and fired it a little bit higher, it'd be way more glossy. Okay. Right? So how do you, how do you know if a glaze has been properly formulated to be a true matte glaze versus a glaze that has not been properly formulated and is instead under fired? I can't really tell yet. Okay. All I know is it has something to do with the, like if you look really closely, you can see little crystals that have not formed in the glaze. And I'm like, I, I can't quite tell yet. Okay. Matt Katz made an example of it, mm. and he like said it, and I was like, I don't understand. Huh. He's like, I can tell by looking at it, and I'm like, I can't. Oh, okay. like, I can't yet. I just know that a lot of matte glazes are just under-fired versions of themselves. Like, they're really meant to be a gloss glaze that's just under-fired. Interesting. Okay, and that's different than kind of what we were talking about just in the first topic with, like, the, the variability of glazes being, like, like you can have a cone four glaze yeah. that can be fired to cone six. Which is crazy so, to me. Is there anything bad about, or an underfired matte glaze basically? Is there is there anything bad about that? Like why, what makes it underfired versus like properly formulated to be a matte glaze? I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Like if you said what are the food safety issues with underfiring a glaze, uh-huh. and because of the underfiring it turned more matte than glossy, I'd be like, I don't know. Huh, okay. You know, like, chemically, it might not have reached its maturity point, but as far as I could tell, it looks good to me. Not poisonous. <laughs> it's a glass layer that covers the pot. I mean, you might be picky about it, because, you know, like, 
doesn't fit your chemistry narrative, but like also to me, this has been working for generations, <laughs> and I'm good with it. It looks fine. Huh, it looks okay. the way I want it to look, and it's fine. Right? Okay. But in the class, he was talking about how, like, yeah, there's a lot of matte glazes that are just under-fired glazes. Hmm. That's, there's, that's just the way it is. He goes, a true matte glaze is a bunch of alumina crystals that have matured to the point where light can't pass through it, essentially. Okay, okay. And he's like, and it lo- it, it'll fall right here on the stole chart, and here's, like, matte, here's semi-matte, here's this, here's glossy. And most glazes are glossy. He's like, this whole thing here is glossy. Mm-hmm. Right? And then right here is semi-matte, and over here is matte, and then over here is, like, under-fired. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So if we're looking at like kind of like a like a pie chart, yes. Uh, there's a, a bunch of underfired matte glazes. Yeah, like a gang of them. Interesting. So okay, so that'll be you know okay, that'll be really interesting. We should maybe send in a question to for flux sake. Yeah. Oh, you I have. Really have. Oh, I, call, okay. I call them like once a month, and I'm sure he's so tired of me. But <laughs> I'm just so excited about glaze chemistry, and you know like. I'm sure if he ever listened to this episode, he'd be like, this kid doesn't fucking know. But I'm where you were when you were a kid, Matt. <laughs> yeah. We should, this is like a love note to Matt Katz. Yeah, kind of, yeah. So here, look, on this chart. Okay. That's the stole chart, and here's a bunch of glazes that fall on the stole chart. This V right here is uh-huh. all glossy. This little white part is semi-matte. Okay. This part's matte, and over here is under-fired. Okay. Right? And most of my crystal glazes are right here, and this dark spot here mm-hmm. is crazed. Like, it's gonna craze. Oh, okay. And most of the time, and I say most of the time because it's not like I have a different kiln schedule or anything, Mm -hmm. that's how it works out. If I put a glaze formulation in there and the stole chart, you do the math and all that, the glazy does it for you. And it falls in the chart and it says, it's gonna be this. It will probably be that. Especially if you put it to cone, whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's like, yeah, that's what it's gonna be. And it it does. I just tested a glaze the other day that I was like, this is gonna craze. Where can I get around that? Mm -hmm. It crazed. Uh, it crazed. Oh, bummer. Yeah, it's okay. It was yeah. yellow, so it wasn't okay. <laughs> so this last topic is a bit of a big brain chemistry topic, but Dante, you were very, uh, very passionate, about, passionate about wanting to talk about this. So let's talk about lithium carbonate and it being water soluble. And before we get into this, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about why this matters. So this essentially is about whether or not lithium is doing its job yes and it has to do with what is water soluble versus what is not water soluble in terms of the materials that make up a glaze so tell us why okay lithium is different i will say that the other two topics that we were on those i am new to so if you want to correct me on any of them please do because i'm not good at explaining them but this one i'm gonna die on a hill with (laughs) okay so when you're making a glaze a glaze is just minerals suspended in water, mm-hmm. right? And when you dump your pot or brush on a glaze onto your pot, mm-hmm. the water gets transferred onto the pot along with the minerals. Right. Okay, and that's all a glaze is. Okay, and the water gets soaked into... The, it's, it's almost like the clay... It's almost like the bisqueware acts as like a strainer. It's porous. It's, right. It's very porous. When the water gets sucked into the bisqueware, it essentially leaves all of the glaze minerals on the surface of the pot. Yes, and yeah. that's the difference in between on the pot versus in the pot. Okay. Okay, and you want your glaze minerals on the pot. You don't want them in the pot, right? The problem with lithium carbonate and using them with a lot of your glaze, your glazes, if you're making your own glazes, is that lithium carbonate is water soluble, meaning that it travels with the water. Into the pot into the pot okay and you don't want them in the pot you want them on the pot yes but we don't know exactly why 
Because... I'm doing tests on it right now. Okay. But the, the working theory for me is that I'm putting lithium carbonate in my glazes to get a certain effect out of my glaze. Mm -hmm. if, it's it's, if it's traveling into the pot instead of on the pot with the glaze where it belongs, mm -hmm. it's not doing the work I want it to be doing. Because it's not interacting with the other glazes because it's exactly. not with the other glazes. Exactly. That is that is the whole argument. Right? Okay. And there's another glaze mineral called spodumene that has lithium in it that I could just kind of put in there and work around the chemistry a little bit. But I feel like a lot of my lithium carbonate glazes need to be worked around with spodumene for that mm -hmm. reason. Okay, and and this first came up again because of the glaze chemistry class. Mm -hmm. So it was so your hypothesis. It is a hypothesis. It's okay. not confirmed. The hypothesis is that the lithium doesn't properly interact with the glaze because it's in the pot, not on the pot with the other glazes. Exactly. And you did a test firing though, and it looked angry. <laughs> angry i was so mad so uh long story short someone else has been doing this test as well on glazy there's a glaze called i think it's red jacket okay or jacket red <laughs> jacket <laughs> sorry and um they're basically the same exact glaze but one has lithium and one has worked around the chemistry with spodumene instead of lithium they look damn near the same realistically mm -hmm. but i will say in order to make one look like the other you have to double dip it which is my next my next thing is my main example, my main reason why I'm thinking this mm -hmm. is because all my glazes that have lithium carbonate in them, I often have to double dip to make them work the way I want them to work. Okay. And I think this is because the first layer gets absorbed with lithium and water, right? So your, your clay body is porous. Right. And the water and the minerals go on the pot and the water gets absorbed by the pot, but the minerals stay on the pot. Right. If the lithium is traveling with the water, in the first dip of whatever glaze I have with lithium in it, my brain goes, well, that means the second layer is probably going to stay in the glaze, right? Instead of in the pot, because the pot's already absorbed as much water as it can. Mm. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, because part of me thinks, like, it, it, unless it was... Like anyway, the, yeah, yeah, like, it'd be, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to test that out. I will say it works. Yeah. And I've only tested it about two or three times. It works with the red jacket glaze that I made. I actually have a test style that I'll be posting on Glazy soon, where I dipped the entire pot in this glaze, and I waited, and then I did a spiral of more mm, of the glaze. Mm -hmm. And where the spiral is, looks like this. Okay. The whole, the, like that little spiral. Have you tested whether or not increasing the specific gravity to essentially make that glaze thicker gets the same effect? I haven't tested the specific gravity in comparison to the amount of lithium, but I will say that most of my glazes fall in between 1.3 to 1.4 mm -hmm. specific gravity. And because of that, I'm like, I don't want to make a, I don't want to make a thicky batch, you know, well, I but mean, I might as well. It'd be, yeah, because that, that's my first thought. And I guess the, the reason that I'm, the reason I think our listeners yeah. can benefit from this is because sometimes you're in a situation where like your glaze isn't turning around outright and you're not quite sure why. Yeah. So I think talking through like some of the, some of our like evaluation process of like, okay, how do we like fix this issue? Oh, yeah. I think could be helpful because like I ran into, and this is a little bit of a side story, but I ran into an issue a couple years ago where where I frantically texted you. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, so I normally, I normally make my glazes by putting, you know, all of the materials in and then adding water. And I ran into a situation where I ran out of Epsom salt. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just add the Epsom salt after I've added all the water after I go out and buy some. Because oh. I thought, oh, well, let's just like give the, give the minerals a chance to get, you know, soaked into the water and then I'll add the Epsom salt on top. So I, you know, I mixed basically all the glaze minerals 
except for Epsom salt. I added water and then I added, uh, and then I mixed it up, I sieved it, and then I added the Epsom salt. Okay. But adding the Epsom salt after I added the water yeah. screwed with the viscosity. Of Ultra thick. Super thick. Yeah. So basically what I had to do is normally my glaze, my glazes are at a specific gravity of around like 1.35, but with this extra thick Epsom salt added afterwards glaze, yeah. the glaze, even though the specific gravity was the same, it looked like as though the specific gravity was like 1.6. Yeah, viscosity is different from specific gravity. Yes. Yes. So what I ended up having to do was reduce the specific gravity by adding more water. So to get the look of a specific gravity of 1.35, the specific gravity actually had to be like closer to 1.1 because it was so thick yeah. that I had to, and I, you know, I had to do a few tests to get this done. So all that saying, like there's, there can be some like problem solving that you have to do with glazes. If you don't, if you're like me and you kind of yeah. don't know all of what you're doing. Yes. So that's why I'm curious with your glazes that have lithium in it, yeah. whether or not adjusting the specific gravity would get you the same effect as dipping twice or whether or not your hypothesis of, oh, well, the lithium is getting absorbed into the pot on yeah. the first dip, but then it's actually going into the glaze on the second dip. Because it's full after the first dip. Because it's full after the first yeah. dip. Is, yeah, that'll be, that would be interesting to yeah. interesting to see. But. I think that'll be my second test. I didn't even think yeah. about that, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've always just left my, like, I'm like, my, my 10 local gold in this glaze and this glaze, they stay at this gravity because that's where they work at. Mm -hmm, you know what mm -hmm, I mean? Yeah. But, like, if you looked at my 10 local gold on my glazy profile or on my Instagram profile, like, all of my 10 local gold is double dipped mm. because I've come over this this problem so often. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, when you do the math, you're like, that's enough flux, right? But then you're like, this looks kind of gritty. Mm. This looks like I didn't add enough flux to it. And then I'd start double dipping it. Looks fine. Yeah, looks that's really now. interesting. So you talked earlier about using spodumene as a replacement for lithium carbonate. Yeah. So not a direct one, but yeah. Tell us a little bit about what that adjustment process is like. Like, what do you have to do to the glaze recipe to make spodumene work the same way as the lithium carbonate? So you want a certain amount of lithium in your glaze as a flux, mm -hmm. right? And you want that same, uh, theoretically, you want that same amount if you're going to replace it with spodumene, because right. spodumene has lithium in it. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is that spodumene has a bunch of other crap <laughs> that comes with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And essentially, just to like, minor summary for our listeners, so, so essentially lithium is mostly like lithium, but spodumene is like a certain percentage of... Yeah, here we go. Okay. So lithium carbonate is like mostly just lithium mm -hmm. right but it's water soluble so i'm like well is it doing any real work or is it going into the body instead of on top of the body mm -hmm. with the other minerals where it belongs but spodumene is eight percent lithium 27 percent alumina and then 64 percent silica okay there's a large problem that matt Katz talks about all the time in the glaze course is talking about free floating silica mm -hmm. you don't want more silica than you need and the way he describes it is like a, a couple of trucks versus a car, or a truck versus a car. Okay. Right? He goes, the same amount of gas, a gallon of gas in a truck is not going to travel as far as like a hybrid car with one gallon worth of gas. Yeah. He goes, because the truck is big and heavy, it can pull more weight, but it takes more energy to make the truck work. Mm -hmm. As for the hybrid vehicle, it takes less energy to make it work. Yeah. He goes, if you have too much silica, like free-floating silica that's not needed, that's not going to interact properly with the chemistry, mm -hmm. he goes, you're driving a truck. 
Yeah. It's too much silica. It's extra. It's unneeded stuff in the glaze. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that I learned in the class is that if you have extra materials in the glaze that don't really, that aren't really needed, Mm -hmm. it's going to be harder for your glaze to reach the effects or the maturity point that you want. Okay. Right? So that's a problem with spodumene is that it has 64% random ass silica. So I got to take silica out. Okay. So, so essentially, let's just say hypothetically, like if your glaze, let's just say hypothetically, your glaze recipe only contained two things. Let's say it only contained silica and uh, spodumene. Yeah. So if the normal recipe was silica and lithium carbonate, you could have your hundred grams of silica and then your lithium and it'd be fine. But if you have the silica and the spodumene, you would have to reduce the amount of silica. So instead of a hundred grams, you'd have to use like 80 grams or something. And again, these are just just made up numbers. No, that's a good example. Cause like now I have way too much. I don't need that aluminum and that silica. I just want the lithium. Yeah. I just want the flux. Yeah. And so now I have to work around the chemistry, which means I have to find other materials in the glaze mm-hmm. recipe that have alumina and silica, preferably silica, and take some out mm-hmm. or like work it around. Is there, what's your method of, of doing that experimentation? Like, do you just like say, like, is there a specific amount that you reduce or add the ingredients of? Like, like when you need to reduce the amount of silica, how do you figure out how much silica to take out? Well, here's the thing. Tell me. They've made a program. I feel I feel like such a program. All my programmer friends are like, yeah, I learned how to program, but like, <laughs> this computer does it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a program on Glazy. It's a calculator, essentially, uh-huh. that if you put the numbers in, it'll map it out on the stole chart and figure out all the math for the chemistry for you. Oh. So realistically, what I'm doing is I'm going like, I did the math one time by myself because Matt Cat, it was part of the class uh-huh. and I was like mm, I hate doing that <laughs> mm, I hate that yeah he's like yeah you gotta add all the fluxes together and then you gotta add all the stabilizers together and you gotta divide by this and then you have to make uh, make them into mole groups and you divide by this and I was like mm, I hate that mm. that's math I don't want to do yeah I could do it. it takes me like an hour probably to do it yeah I'm not good at it yeah but uh, the glazy calculator does it for you so what I usually do is I go okay so what if I took out this and replaced it with this percentage of this and then it goes bloop, puts it on the chart gives me the chemistry and I go that's not what I want. Those aren't mm. the numbers that I was looking for. So I, how, do, how do you know that those aren't the right numbers? Because I want them to equal the original glaze recipe. Oh. If that makes sense. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I okay. want them to pretend as if they had lithium carbonate in them in the first place. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I want to get as close to the chemistry as I can and mm-hmm. as close to a point on the stole chart that I can. Mm-hmm. Right? So I just keep changing the numbers around. I usually take out silica, usually, and I try and put it somewhere else because I want it to be 100%. Right. So... If I'm already going to take out lithium and lithium's like, I don't know, 4%, mm-hmm. my brain goes, okay, well, there's four numbers I have to work with right there. So I can add those four to the spodumene, four spodumene. And then I look at spodumene, I go look at the chemistry, oh, that's not enough. Take out silica, because I don't need mm-hmm. it. And then I add some more spodumene. And I go, okay, well, now I got alumina in there. Okay. What else has alumina? And I keep playing so, with the numbers. Okay, so the so this chart on, on Glazy gives you the percentage breakdown of like, okay, how in this glaze recipe that's listed here, mm-hmm. how much like silica total yes. is in this thing. So if the, if you have a, a glaze recipe that has both silica on its own and also the spodumene, yeah. it doesn't just give you the silica as listed 
like the percentage of silica in the glaze recipe as listed on the glaze, glaze recipe, it also gives you the amount, or it includes in that total percentage yes. the amount of silica that's in not only the the separate silica, but also the amount of silica that's in spodumene. Yes, and also okay. at the bottom of that list, including all the numbers and all the fluxes and stabilizers and whatnot, mm-hmm. it also gives you the ratio, because the ratio is really important. Okay. So it gives you the ratio of like alumina to silica. Okay, and that affects the where the glaze falls on the stole chart. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, the whole stole chart is just alumina and silica. That's okay. It. Okay. So you have basically you have the like when you're if you're making glazes, there's the glaze recipe by itself. Yes. But there's also the percentages. So you could have two separate glaze recipes that are different, that look different, but have the same percentages. Hell yeah. Actually, okay. okay. Actually, at the bottom of the glazy chart, if this is the most disheartening thing ever for a new glaze person, <laughs> right? If you're like, oh, I found this new thing and I made my own glaze, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And if you put it into glazy, glazy will give you a list of other <laughs> glazes at the bottom of the page. Of things that like, oh yeah, this glaze is the exact same chemistry, yeah. close to it, uh-huh. of all these other people around the world. I think I remember you talking about that. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. It's, infu- it's infuriating, but also very humbling, because you're mm-hmm. like, I'm a trailblazer! And, and then you look at it and you're like, oh, and so are these other 12 people! Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing, uh, the, the thing that I've relegated myself to is getting a glaze base. Uh, like a semi-matte one or a matte one yeah. or, or a gloss one. Most of them are glossy. Mm-hmm. And then like messing around with colorants to make yeah. good, and messing around with, you know, uh, the temperature of my kiln mm-hmm. or putting new ingredients in there to like make new glazes or make good ratios. Yeah. That's essentially how I make new glazes now. I don't look for interesting chemicals to put in there, mm-hmm. to throw crap in there. I yeah. look for like, what are the effects that I'm getting with the heat and the clay body and the clay yeah. and the color. Yeah. Because like other people have done it. If you th- if you think you did it and it's brand new, probably other people have done it. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what my PlayStation chat tells me, which oh, is toxic. What's that? What's it's that? toxic. Oh, right? okay, all right. I'm gonna let you know this right now. If you think you're good at something, there's probably a foreign five year old child who's way better at it than you. you yeah, think? that's toxic as hell, man. I know. Like, who cares if there's a no If you enjoy it's it, hella toxic. if you enjoy it and you find it interesting, you, you think, go for it. You think you're good at video games? Get on, get on the Korean Call of Duty lobby, Call of Duty lobbies oh at 5 a.m. Oh God! You'll be humbled. Oh God! You'll get nuked by a 10-year-old. Mm. Mm. I'm telling you, they're good. I believe it. I believe America it. America has a thing where they're like, "We're the best," and you meet somebody from out of America, and you're like, "Oh my God, how are you so good? <laughs> you're a god." I've been doing this for 10 years, and they're like, "I learned this in fifth grade," and you're oh like, "Oh my, oh my god. god!" This is why. This is why we will eventually be replaced by the youths. Oh, yeah, 100%, you know, but yeah. this is good. If, if we're all improving, that's 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 what we that's what we want. True. So yeah. All right. Well, I feel like this has been a. It was scuffed, but it was good. Whew, no, no, no. It was good. It was good. I actually like. I this felt this felt more cohesive than the first round that we tried. Yeah. Because that first round, I was like, wait, what? What? I don't yeah. got it. No, like, you got it. Though. It was. I got it this time. I got it this time around. I think. So. In my brain, there was a constant flow of language going, and I'm trying to like filter it through the English language, which is not good, realistically. <laughs> not a good language. It's like three kids in a trench coat pretending to be an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it's like German, Spanish, Latin. It's it's Romance. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the way you filter it through me is fantastic. I'm glad I am a good filter. You're a fantastic. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right.
right, well, we do also want to do a, or, well, I'm just saying that we do. I'm making it so that we do. We want to uh, do a, another shout out to Matt Katz and his Glaze Chemistry course. If this sort of thing is interesting to you, sign up for his classes because yeah. he... He knows what he's doing. Yeah, everything that you told me, Dante, about how how his, um, you know, how his classes have gone and just, like, even hearing the way that you talk about Glazes yeah. has been... It's been really cool to, like, see you learn this. So if you, dear listener, are a... Uh, are a fan of this kind of topic and you want to learn more, go sign up for Matt Katz classes. And, uh, yeah. I love his podcast for Flux sake. Mm -hmm. Cause when I first started it, I had so many hypotheses <laughs> that I could not confirm because I didn't have the know-how or the chemistry to confirm them. Yeah. And then every time he would talk about a subject, he'd be like, yeah, that's true. I'm like I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I thought that for like five years. Yeah. And he finally confirmed it for me. <laughs> and so, now I've gotten to the point where he's telling me stuff that I'm like, mm, did not know that. Hell yeah, man. He, he probably explains the chemistry a lot better than I do. I mess up a lot of the terminology, but like... It's he, almost as though he talks about glaze chemistry for a living. Yeah, it's, al <laughs> it's almost like I'm new at it. He's not, <laughs> what? what? That's crazy, right? <laughs> but the stuff he tells me is mind-blowing. He's yeah. just like, yeah, a cone is just this. And I'm like, what? There's, Science. There's ratios of a, suma, a, a silica and a silica and that's what a cone is? Like, yeah. I don't even use that chart anymore. Cones ain't real. And I'm like, what? I didn't tell you He said cones aren't real. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to The Mud Peddlers with Lindsay M. Dillon. And Dante of Earth Nation. Want to say hi and see what Dante and I are working on in our studios? Check out the show notes for links to our websites and social media below. You can find me at lindsaymdillon.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-M as in monster, D-I-L-L-O-N.com. And on Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook at Lindsay M. Dillon. And you can find me at Earth Nation Ceramics. It's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled. But you can also find me on my Facebook fan page and Instagram at the same name at Earth Nation Ceramics. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today or you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, take a second to rate and review The Mud Peddlers in Apple Podcasts. It helps our podcast reach new listeners, and we really appreciate the feedback. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.